Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. God bless you. Thank you so much to all of you who attended our Christmas Eve services or volunteered at our Christmas Eve services or brought a friend to our Christmas Eve services. Uh, Those were a great gathering uh, and much needed, honestly, after the last couple of years uh, and all the exhaustion we've been through. It was nice just to, to remember... To remember Christmas and to remember the message again, that that message that we've heard uh, so many times, but had the opportunity uh, to hear again in a new way and remember that God is even better uh, than many of us have expected. So I was thankful uh, to sit and reflect on that myself uh, over this last week, and I I hope, hope you did as well. God bless you for taking part of that. Hey, we're going to start a new series now. We're in the new year. We're going to start a new series called Territories. And as we start this series, we're going to look at uh, the way God's kingdom expands physically and spiritually. The way God's kingdom and the people of God claim new territories physically and spiritually. And I am absolutely excited about this series. So let's take a minute. Let's pray together and we'll get started. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you have claimed territory in our hearts and our lives. I thank you that you have uh, staked a claim over who we are, over our identities, over our uh, daily lives, over our thought lives. Uh, and I ask that you would take, take more land, take more territory. Come into our hearts and claim more for yourself. Come into our lives and our families and our homes and our schools and our workplaces and take more for yourself. Jesus, may we be a part of your expanding kingdom. May we, in the way that we love other people, in the way that we talk about you, in the way that we respect one another, may we expand your kingdom here on the earth. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I am excited about this series because this series promises to be one of the most transformational in the history of our church. And I'm not exaggerating. We, we get to see uh, another moment in the life of our church where the studies that we are doing are going to overlap with God's work among us. And it makes the scripture come alive when we study the scriptures and then God does again in our midst as his people what he was doing in the lives of his people 2,000 years ago. And that's about to happen again. Uh, I'll show you what I mean. Back in 2018, we did a series of studies called Supernatural. And we talked about how God intervenes supernaturally in the world. And as we went through that series, people in our congregation had supernatural experiences of God uh, speaking into their lives and transforming their lives and communicating with them in ways that made their jaws drop. We, We studied the supernatural in the scriptures. And as we did, we experienced the supernatural among us. Then we did the very next series after that, 2018, we did a series of studies in the book of Exodus, the time in which God's people moved out of Egypt and into their promised land. And as we did that, God prepared us for what was coming in our future. Uh, There was a time in 2018 where our three-year lease with that school was coming to an end, and we didn't know where we were going to go next, but we knew we had to be on the move. We, we found the Valley Center property in which I'm standing now literally by praying one night and driving around. 
I sat down at my computer and I typed a prayer one night. Jesus, I'll pastor this church the rest of my life if you want me to, but I need you to help us find a building. I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. And the next day, Pastor Anthony and I were literally just driving around and came upon this property and found out not only that it was an empty church, but that I had this deep connection to a pastor who had been there here in the 70s who was a, a close personal friend and mentor of mine. Uh, and he, uh, his family, in January of 2019, helped us get in touch with the owners of this building and then move in here. We were uh, in the midst of studying Exodus, and God was guiding our Exodus uh, into a new stage of life and into a new property. Well, I think what happened in those incidents is as we study God's Word, God gave us living object lessons of what the Word was teaching us. And God's about to do that again. We're going to continue in our uh, studies of the Scripture today in a new series uh, called uh, territories. And in this series, we're going to look at how God's kingdom expands physically and spiritually to claim new territories. I expect two results to come out of this series of studies together. Number one, I expect that God's kingdom will expand physically as we go through these studies. Uh, let me show you what I mean. We moved into the Valley Center property in 2019. Uh, last year, in 2021, somebody gave us a property in Glendora. But here's the deal. The Glendora property is not big enough for us all to worship in it together on Sunday mornings. Our congregation is too big for that worship space, much less a growing congregation that's going to need new chairs year after year. So, so we're trying to worship in two places at the same time, like we did on Christmas Eve. Somebody has stepped forward and created a half a million dollar matching fund for us to buy the Valley Center property as well. You know how a matching fund works. For every dollar that we raise, that donor commits a dollar themselves. If we raise half a million dollars, the donor will put in half a million dollars, giving us leeway to buy this building and to move in here, uh, as well as continuing to worship in Glendora. If we don't do that, the owners of the Valley Center property have said, when your lease is up, we have to sell it. We're going to sell it to somebody else. If you don't want to buy it, we'll put it on the market and see who else wants to buy it. And if we let go of it, that means you and I will have only the Glendora property to worship in, which does not have enough seats for all of us, much less seats enough for a growing congregation. So I'm having that feeling again, like when we were in Sandburg Middle School, and I realized that there's a clock ticking. But the good news is God's begun to show us a way forward. God's begun to give us the opportunity to claim territory here at the Valley Center property. And I think as we go through this series and as we prepare for what God's going to do in our midst, we're going to watch God's physical territory expand here in Southern California. This comes in a season where churches after the pandemic all over the place are closing their doors and selling their properties to developers. Churches all over, not just Southern California, but all over the country are being knocked down and replaced with condos. Uh, you may have heard one of the biggest churches in Covina closed its doors, sold its property, and it's on its way to becoming an Amazon warehouse. There's literally going to be less space designated for worship in our, in our world before too long. So we have the opportunity to expand the kingdom physically as we move into a, a permanent uh, residence here at the Valley Center property. 
Number two, the church's territory during this series is going to expand spiritually. It's going to expand physically and it's going to expand spiritually. You know what I mean. Since we formed as a church five years ago, we've baptized 137 people with five more this afternoon. That's more than one every other week for five years. I've watched people who were far from Jesus decide to follow Jesus and people who were only pew potatoes before decide to be radical disciples of Jesus. And that only promises to continue as we live faithfully into the mission that God has laid out for us. The mission of the church is to lead lost people to Jesus. We are, we are on a mission to go seeking out lost sheep to introduce lost people to Jesus, to be a community of grace with a God-sized vision in every generation. We've watched it happen year after year at Real Life, and it's going to continue this year as we preach the gospel, as we care for people in need, as we feed the poor, uh, and as we pray. I expect uh, that we see the territory of the kingdom expand spiritually as we go about the mission that we've been on for five years now. Uh, you, are, you are the church, and as you, as you be the church where you are, God's kingdom will expand. On top of that, uh, in this coming season, uh, as, as the way is made clear for us, we're also going to build a church down in Mexico. So as we expand the kingdom here, we're going to expand the kingdom south of the border as well. As you know, there's a church planting network that we've worked with uh, multiple times before. We've built houses down there. We took Christmas toys down there for uh, over 100 kids uh, in this last uh, month. We're going to go down there and help them build another one of their churches. I think they've, they've just about reached the 50 church goal that their pastor said they wanted to build. They wanted to build 50 churches, and I think he's gotten to about 50, so he's raised the number to 500 now. So we're going to go down there and build a church together, uh, expanding the kingdom physically and spiritually south of the border as we expand it up in our own neighborhoods. Now today I want to look with you at a text from the Bible in which Jesus announces what happens when the kingdom of God advances. Uh, Open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read you a text in which Jesus has a conversation with his cousin, John the Baptist. There's a, there's a strange verse in this passage, which always before I've just kind of breezed over and thought, well, I have no idea what they were talking about there, and I just haven't bothered with it. I realize that this is a, a powerful and meaningful statement from Jesus that's been translated poorly. But when you see what it really means, it's eye-opening. It's powerful. Matthew chapter 11 at verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, this is John the Baptist, his cousin, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist has been put in prison for offending a king. And he wants Jesus to come and bring a revolution that'll cast out Rome and set the Israelites free. But Jesus seems to be taking his sweet time. And John is in prison knowing that he could be killed at any moment. So he sends his his followers off to Jesus to say, are you the guy or not? Jesus replied, verse 4, Jesus replied. He's talking to John's disciples now. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, 
The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. These are the signs that the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is drawing on a prophecy from Isaiah 35 in which Isaiah says there's going to be a time where God redeems his people. And if you want to know the signs to look for that shows that God is at work, here's what to look for. This is Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Jesus is saying that time has come. The kingdom that Isaiah prophesied is now spreading its territory in my life. <clears throat> Verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to them, to speak to the crowd about John. And he asked them who they think John was, what John was doing, and what they went out to see. But skip down to verse 11. And I, wanna, I want you to see how Jesus describes the kingdom expanding in John's ministry and in Jesus' ministry. Verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not, <coughs> there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, here's the verse. We're going to look at this. I'm going to tell you it's worded poorly, and then we're going to fix it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. Now, that's not exactly a verse that you cross-stitch and put over your door at home. That's just, a, that's just a quirky, weird verse. And I read that, and I can't make any sense of it. I mean, in the, the common English that it's written in, the kingdom of heaven is being subjected to violence? Like somebody's beating up on the kingdom of heaven, and violent people, so what are criminals attacking heaven now, are raiding it? Is somebody stealing stuff out of heaven? This doesn't seem right at all. This doesn't seem like a good proclamation. Jesus has just said, hey, John, the kingdom of heaven is expanding. Look, at around, look around at what's going on. I'm doing exactly the things that Isaiah said would happen. The, the dead are raised, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak. The kingdom is expanding. Now, this final verse here is way more powerful than the translation I just read from the NIV. The reason it's translated this way is because the King James Version translated it this way in 1611, and people don't like change. But the King James Version is notorious for its mistakes. King James I of England had all kinds of political biases and reasons for translating the way he did. And this is a particularly bad translation of this verse. When it says, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, the Greek word that's used here is beazo. And beazo does not mean to receive violence. It doesn't mean the kingdom of heaven is being beaten up. It means it's being moved forcefully ahead. The, the correct analogy here would be like a football that's grabbed by a, a wide receiver and two defenders run in front of that receiver downfield and they push the ball forcefully downfield. That's what Jesus is saying. The, the kingdom of heaven isn't getting beaten up. It's being moved forcefully downfield. It says by violent people. That's a terrible translation. What are the criminals running with the kingdom of heaven here? The, this word is not translated violent anywhere in Greek literature. So I don't know why they translated it violent here. Uh, the other place in the Bible this word is used is when the wind comes at Pentecost 
and they, you could call it a violent wind. But a violent person isn't the same thing as a violent wind. A violent person sounds like a nasty person who needs to be in, in some therapy. Right? What, what this is translated everywhere else in, in Homer's works, everywhere else in Greek literature, this word means mighty. The kingdom of heaven is moving forcefully downfield and mighty people, strong people, uh, it says are raiding it, which again, bad translation, King James, you pale skin, pudding eating ninny. Uh, the, the translation here, is, uh, is, is what uh, is used in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit grabs Philip and whisks him away after he's baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, right? It's grabbed and whisked away to the next thing. When the Holy Spirit grabs someone and moves them where they're going next, I don't know how they got raided out of that. Here, here's the translation of the text. The kingdom of God is being moved forcefully downfield by mighty people who are grabbing it up and running with it. The football analogy is good. It's not, it's not a flowery interpretation meant to entertain an evangelical audience. It's the true sense of the text. This is the word of Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and quarterback. John says to Jesus, hey, I'm in prison. I could die. Are you the guy or not? And Jesus says, look around. Look at what Isaiah says. The, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame walk. The kingdom of God is rolling out. Mighty people are grabbing the kingdom and running it forcefully downfield. From the time you started preaching, John, to the time I started working miracles, the kingdom of God is expanding. I am so sorry if you grew up in a church that taught you a stale, tepid, domesticated kind of Christianity that made it seem like Christianity and the kingdom of God were all about spiritual navel-gazing and moral behavior and waiting to get into heaven. The kingdom of heaven is about moving the ball downfield. It's meant for we who want to be on an advance. We who want to see the kingdom of God spread in this world. The kingdom of God is advancing against powers and principalities that want to stop it. That don't want the world to know that it is on its way to hell in a handbasket. That don't want the world to know that a Messiah has walked the earth and died on the cross for our sins. And now calls us out of self-absorption into a life lived for the kingdom. I'm, I'm trying to call you today and in this series to live life on the move. The, the ball has been dropped and we are to pick it up and run it downfield. We who follow Jesus are on a mission. A at the cross... Satan thought he was going to kill God and bring the whole thing to a stop. Satan hadn't even realized that through the death of Jesus, the key to the door of, of heaven would be handed out widely. That the door of heaven would be open so that anybody who believed could go through it. Satan got overzealous and thought he could bring the whole thing to an end. And instead, at the cross, Satan fumbled the ball. So pick up the ball and run with it. I am calling you to stop sitting in the bleachers and watching other people play the game. I'm calling you to real life. Spend your life sharing Jesus with people who do not know him. Pray for people who are in need. Pray for miracles and command healing in Jesus' name. Feed the poor and liberate the, the oppressed because the kingdom of God is being forced downfield by people who are made mighty by the spirit of God who is within us. The kingdom of God is alive.
And this is such a powerful verse when seeing the way that Jesus said it. You and I need to prepare for what God is calling us to. We're about to go through a season where our studies of God's word are going to overlap with God's activities among us. We're going to get to see what God does in this next season as the kingdom of God expands physically and spiritually. We need to prepare for it. So I'm going to call us to something that we haven't done together for a while as a congregation. Starting next Monday, starting January 10th, Monday, January 10th, I'm going to call the church to a 21-day fast. What's a fast? Uh, a fast is a time where you abstain from something for a set period of time to dedicate yourself to prayer. Traditionally, when people think of fasting, they often, often think about giving up food for a day to pray. But the 21-day fast comes from the book of Daniel, where Daniel gave up rich foods and meat to, to only eat a sparse vegetarian diet for 21 days to get, dedicate himself to prayer. Starting January 10th, we as a church are going to fast together. You may decide to do a Daniel diet and commit yourself to a, a vegetarian diet from the 10th to the end of the month. Some of us may want to give up something else. Some of us may want to give up social media for January. Some of us may want to give up desserts. Some of us may want to give up coffee. And if you do, we'll create a special section that you have to sit in by yourself on Sunday morning so none of the rest of us have to deal with you. But we're going to fast together and pray as a church through the month of January. And here's what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray that God's kingdom expands physically and spiritually here at real life and in your life. I want you to pray that we go about the business of expanding our physical footprint wisely and faithfully. That God blesses our move to acquire property and to use it faithfully in his service. And that you and I are consistent in our spiritual expansion of the kingdom. That we don't buy seats to make ourselves comfortable. We, in, we buy seats to invite people in. Through the course of this fast, we're going to pray that God would bring people across our paths who need to be cared for, who need to be loved, who need to be prayed for, and who are desperately seeking meaning in this world. There are already people in your circles, in your work, in your school, in your friend circles, there are already people that God has placed there so that you can be their pastor. And we're going to pray that God opens our eyes in this season through this fast to people who need to be invited into God's kingdom. People who are looking for something and, and just don't find it in the world. This 21 days is going to prepare us for what God will do in this season, in, in this year here at our church. If that excites you, this is the church for you. If it doesn't, if it seems like a burden, if it seems like a nuisance, you and King James might want to try the church down the street. Because real life is about the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus is seeking lost sheep. I'll show you what happens when the people of God dedicate themselves to expanding the kingdom of God physically and spiritually. There's a, a, a powerful example that happened back in the 1960s uh, in the ministry of a woman who's still alive today named Jackie Pullinger. Back in the 1960s, there was an area of Hong Kong that was a, a slum that ha housed about 50,000 people. It was unpoliced, and it was a den of prostitution and opium production. 
Jackie Pullinger, at the age of 22, was living in England and wanted to become a missionary. And she went around looking for a mission organization to take her in, but she couldn't find one. And one night she had a dream telling her to go to the walled city, the forbidden city in Hong Kong. In the same year that the Beatles were recording Yellow Submarine, she got on a boat and sailed from England to Hong Kong and landed with $10 in her pocket. She moved into the slums. There were no police. It was ruled over by triad gangs. And she began to pray for people. And she started schools for kids. And then she started residential facilities for people who wanted to leave drugs and leave gangs. And hundreds of people moved in. And you actually have to read her story to see how this works. You're not going to find this on Wikipedia. You won't see this in, in the secular summaries of her life. You have to read her book, Chasing the Dragon. She saw radical transformation among gang members and opium addicts because she prayed for them. She prayed over people and spoke in tongues and saw people immediately cured of addiction to opium. And gang members became leaders in her church. Hundreds of people's lives were transformed as she went about the business of ministry in Hong Kong. Today, the walled city is no more. Today, the city has leveled it and replaced it with parks, basketball courts, where people take nice afternoon strolls. The kingdom of God expanded physically there, and it expanded spiritually there in the hands of a 22-year-old girl. Now, think about what you know about 22-year-olds. I remember 22. I was one year out of college, and I was figuring out how to master GoldenEye on Nintendo 64. If a 22-year-old can expand the kingdom of God physically and spiritually, if a 22-year-old if a can grab the ball and run forcefully downfield with it, then so can you. So can I. So can all of us. So in this season, that's what we're going to do. Jesus has called us to take part in expanding his kingdom. Jesus has called us to see that the kingdom expands when the ball is grabbed and moved forcefully downfield by we who are made mighty by God's spirit within us. If you want to see God on the move, come do life with us this year. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you call us to real life and to powerful life and to adventure. Help us to put aside the selfishness that holds us back, the, the lethargy that stops us from taking part, the apathy that stops us from loving. Jesus, place your spirit in our hearts. And as your spirit comes in, cast out all the junk that has clogged the pipe and, uh, and uh, littered the corners Clear our souls out of all the junk we've stored up and fill it with your light and your life. Send us out in the world to love and to pray, to preach and to transform, and to do it all in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.